You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode eight of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast for chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind, sponsored by Sick Biz, a nonprofit with the very same mission. I'm Hillary Jastrom, and today I want to introduce you to a woman who supersedes inspiration, who is the poster child for knock me down seven times, get up eight. Her tagline is, everyone has some sort of BS in life. I overshare mine. She is a former teacher and chronic crusader living with three relentless illnesses taking over her body every single day. We are all here to learn from Elle how to face continuous hurdles, how she unfailingly keeps going despite downturns and surprise twists. I am delighted to welcome Elle Kirks on the podcast with us today. Elle, I'm when I found out the name of your company, Sick Prince, I was like, oh, my God, this is just a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took us a long time. It took us a long time, actually, to figure out, like, the perfect name, which in retrospect is kind of silly. Um, but, yeah, I just I, it came to me one night and I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to call it Sick Prince because, A, they're going to be sick. Like, they're going to be dope designs. <laughs> And then sick because I am so sick that what else would I name something? <laughs> that was that was my mindset too behind naming sick biz. It was like I had first thought of chronic entrepreneur, and then everybody was like, "Weed man, that's yeah. what people are gonna think." And I went, oh, "No, okay, right. never mind." <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So. When did you start up Sick Prince and tell us all about your company? Um, and you have a little campaign going right now. It's helping to pay for some medical expenses. Yeah. So um, I started actually the business pretty recently within the month. Um, I have mast cell disease. Um, I actually have like three pretty unheard of yet semi-common diseases um, that are just now being researched. And so what I wanted to do is from my little home, I wanted to figure out a way to help fund research. Um, at the same time, I need to fund my own life. Um, a lot of the medications that I'm on are very expensive, especially the chemotherapy um, that I take. And so, uh, you know, insurance, I pay for three different insurances every month just so that my, um, my out-of-pocket costs are, are, are low enough to deal with. <laughs> but, um, you know, being in and out of a hospital all the time, life adds up really fast. So sick prints basically is a company where I design logos and prints that go onto anything. We can print on cotton, we can make posters, we can make canvas, um, literally any, um, surface I can print on, um, and get, a design onto. Um, and the best part is that it's stuff that I can do from my recliner. Um, you know, all the, the illustrator work, um, I can do myself from my recliner and then the printing I can do from my wheelchair. So. Okay. So yeah. sometimes, so sometimes you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. So a lot of the time, actually, um, when I'm home alone, which is not very often, um, because I do have PCA services all the time. Um, but when I'm home alone, I have to be in my wheelchair because I pass out all the time. And so um, I've had several 
um, traumatic brain injuries from hitting my head and concussions and that kind of thing. Um, I used to be a high school Spanish teacher and I was really smart. And nowadays, uh, I don't find my words as easy as I once did. So I knew whatever I ended up creating business wise, I couldn't use the the world of academia anymore, you know, because I just don't think I'm on top of my on top of my knowledge like I used to be. Yeah. Um, let me pause just for a second. Um, are you shuffling papers or something? Oh, can you, can you hear that? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm so sorry. Yes. Oh, that's that is... totally fine. Are you yeah, multitasking? Okay. I, yeah. Okay. I'll put them down. Okay. Sorry. No, it's all good. It's all good. It's so hard to just focus on one thing, isn't it? I don't. Just be like, I, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So you were a Spanish teacher. So there's so that's much it. to talk about. There's so much to talk about. First of all, vodka. That's about all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I um, I was a Spanish teacher for almost 10 years. And um, my kind of niche was the kids who didn't want to learn at all. So um, I called them my little ghetto gangsters. Um, but they, all they needed was love, you know, and they just needed somebody to show that they cared. Yeah. And then they would blossom. And so... Um, yeah, that's where a lot of the people that I am still in contact with are actually a lot of my old students who are now in their 30s, which creeps me out, but <laughs> it makes me feel old. I but, um, see that. Yeah. I see that on your page. I see the interactions with the kids and well, they're adults now, but I just see you still have that connection and they're yeah. checking in on you and caring about you. That's pretty cool. It is pretty. I am very blessed in, in many different regards, but yeah, um, you know. That wasn't the path that I thought I was going to lead. And that's what I ended up doing. And now I'm on a totally different path. So, yeah, life's funny that way. I call life a mofo because yes. it just, life's a mofo. It just does whatever. Right. It's like, what? You think you're doing this? No. Yeah. And it you're laughs. Just, and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. I like, I tell, I tell <laughs> my fiance all the time, I say, you know, God's laughing at me because I had a plan and uh, my plans never work. God was like, nice try. Yeah, like, oh, ha. <laughs> we get the oh, yeah. teacher in A for effort. Yeah. Right. No, I so you so let's talk about your diseases or disorders or afflictions or however you choose to name yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So you have POTS. I do. I have postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And I have it pretty severe where Every time I stand up, you know, my heart goes winky and my blood pressure drops. I actually have a pacemaker. And what the pacemaker has done for me is it gives me pre-syncope. And so some of the time now, um, I can actually, like if I'm up and I can get to a chair, um, you know, before I pass out. Whereas I used to just drop left and oh. right all around. Yeah. So, so you get a little bit of a notice then. Yeah. Yeah. Either, you know, like, uh, my vision goes out or my hearing goes out or I get a little nauseous or I just start sweating profusely. And then, um, I mean, we're talking milliseconds really. Um, and then sometimes I even get long enough where I can yell out a curse word and Mm. then it's like my parents and Josh, they know, and they run and then they, they'll catch me midair. Um, yeah, it's intense. Um, but I, so I've been passing out since I was 18 so, I mean, it's been a long time with that. And then um, when we were researching the POTS and we were down at the Mayo Clinic and everything, they found um, that I have this connective tissue disorder. And the connective tissue disorder is really frustrating because there's no way to make my body 
behave. Um, and so it's like, um, you know, normal people, like if you cough and you kind of feel like all those muscles spasm and stuff, mm-hmm. well, mine are just super loosey goosey. And so all of those like natural reflexes and the natural things that happen in your body, mine just don't work. So, okay. So what does that mean in terms of, um, what does that mean in terms of they don't work? So when you're coughing, does that mean like you can't contract and expectorate kind of a deal? Or what does um, that mean? What it means is basically that when I have an autonomic response or like, you know, um, even down to the fine tune. So like when you stand up, your blood pressure should stay the same. Mm-hmm. Well, because even down to a cellular level, my body doesn't constrict properly. All the blood in my body then goes to my legs and it can't get pushed back up. Oh, my goodness. If so there are. Yeah, yeah it, it just sounds like there's going to be a laundry list of symptoms. Is that called Alos Danners? Yeah, Ehlers Danos. Danlos. Danlos. Yeah. Danlos. Okay. And, you know, the, the three diseases that I have are kind of complex in the fact that they have these names, but nobody has really put enough effort and time into researching them until very recently. And so, unfortunately, what that means is that there is, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people out there who have my same three diseases, and they, they're kind of a trifecta because they do, um, they're found in the same people quite often. And, mm-hmm. and this is what research is finding that there's, po- it's possibly like a gene mutation or there's a genetic aspect to it. But, um, you know, there's so many people out there that are not as proactive as I am. And I'm, you know, constantly researching and I make sure that I try the, you know, different things that'll make me better and, and try to figure out a way to try to maintain homeostasis. Sure. And that, you know, for so many other people that have my same exact illnesses, they just don't because they don't know and nobody knows. And did but, you now, did you do some genetic testing in your family? Yeah, yeah, okay. we've, done, yeah we've done genetic testing and um, down at the Mayo Clinic. And my mom, unfortunately, she um, has a lot of the same um, issues that I have, but to a much lesser extent much lesser extent. I mean, she had my brother and I, so she was able to have children and, um, you know, she was a nurse. And so she, um, she was able to work and she's, she's only passed out a few times in her life. And, and I mean, you know, so she has these same characteristics. It's just, they're at a much lesser degree. Okay. That's amazing. So let's switch gears a little bit. You were on the path, you were a teacher Mm -hmm. and were you you were teaching then when you got sick and then you had to come out of the teaching profession. And so then what happened surrounding those circumstances? Basically I have been, you know, semi sick my entire life, but when you're growing up, you know, we just called me fragile. I had broken bones all the time. You know, I'd get whatever illness was going around. Um, And I just, my parents just taught me to, you know, like fight through it, like get through it as long as I wasn't, you know, bleeding or a bone wasn't sticking out like I was fine. Mm -hmm. And so when I was 18, um, I I got really sick and my parents took me to a bunch of different doctors, but it was found out that I had a 15 pound perovarian cyst in my abdomen. And so, yeah, I had a 15 pound tumor in my abdomen. And this is when I was 18, you know, I was a senior in high school. And so... 
I mean, it, it was in the late nineties though. So, you know, people were wearing baggy clothes and I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's not like I was, right. It wasn't like I was walking around my house naked because, you know, I was a teenager. So, I mean, my parents didn't know. Um, and so after that got removed, my whole body, it just amped up all these different things in my body. And I've been sick ever since and pro- progressively more ill each year. But when I was 18, you know, I went to college, I fought through it, I was found, you know, passed out in snowbanks. Um, yeah. I, gr- I graduated in three years from the U. Um, and then I went and I got my master's degree while I was teaching full time. And I just kept myself really busy. And um, I was just always sick. I just always didn't feel well. Um, and then, you know, progressively, it was life threatening. And uh, finally, yeah, I had, I had to quit. Um, I had to quit teaching. And that was a really, that was really hard for me because my whole life, you know, I was told that basically your worth and your value is what you give into society. Mm-hmm. And so it, it took, it took a good chunk of years to really feel that I, you know, was worthwhile even in this life because I was not contributing anything. So how did you start to move out of that? Can you remember somewhat of what you went through to get yourself from that moment of no control, loss of your job, utter devastation? And I'm telling you, I've been there because that's exactly what happened to me. So how did you start to move out of that? Um, You know, I think that I owe a lot to my family and to uh, my fiance and to my friends. Um, and just, I I am a tough cookie, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm really tough and I'm really like optimistic and a positive person, like to a fault. And so each diagnosis or each problem that I've had each time, you know, I dust myself off and I build myself back up and each time I've just built myself back up stronger. And Um, so now I, I'm like, you know, like a Mayan ruin over here and nothing is going to take me down, but it, it, it took time. It took time and it took a lot of, um, you know, self, not self help, not pride necessarily, but a lot of self, um, work, working through different things in my own head by myself. Mm-hmm. That this is work only you could do. So was it was it like you said, well, you know what, I can be upset, depressed, devastated every single day, or I can, was it when you accepted it and said, this is my life now. Right. So now I have a choice about how I'm going to live this new life. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly it. You know, and People can choose either to, you know, live in, because everybody's going to have problems in their life and everybody's going to have something bad happen to them. And it's how we react that makes, that, that shows our true character. And so I had to make a choice whether I wanted to be sad and upset all the time and feel like the world owed me something. Well, the world doesn't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have to take this time that I'm here on earth and I just have to make a positive impact, whatever that is, however I can do it. Um, that's what I need to do. And it did it, it. It took some time and it took a whole lot of like fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, but now now I'm there. And, you know, I just got a pretty devastating diagnosis the other day. And I was upset for about five minutes. Um, I cried maybe for three. And then I said, you know what? OK, well, being upset about it isn't going to change a damn thing. So 
what do I need to do, you know, to get this fixed and get it figured out and get it figured out correctly. And being upset and frustrated isn't, isn't going to do anything to get mm-hmm. that accomplished. Agree. And do you, so do you have a relationship with your body where, because with my body, I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy about you, but we got to hang out together. So I'm going to make the most of it and I'm going to capitalize on the, on the good parts of my existence and the really strong pieces of being myself that are left. I can't run a mile, but (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. But we could have a wheelchair race. Boy, yeah. that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's almost like it's and and this sounds crazy. And every time I say it out loud, it makes me feel like I have some kind of mental illness. But it's almost like me personality wise and personally are a separate being than my body. It's like oh, we're I two understand. separate, completely separate things. And so my body sucks. And it lets me down every day. And every day I just want to shake it and just yell at it. But my, you know, personality wise and who I am, that's the part that matters. This, this little physical form over here, it, it really in the long term life, eh, yeah. you know? And I love the way you put that. There, it's a, you're compartmentalizing your illness away from your physical pain and then really identifying and and just kind of putting it over here. Like I'm always going to have this pain. I'm always going to have these obstacles to some degree. And I don't know what they are, but every day is going to look different. I'm probably going to be betrayed by my body multiple times today. And so I do the same thing. It's like I'm I'm dragging around, you know, a broken wagon behind me. Like, yeah. oh, I just got to drag this broken wagon. But it's the reason that at night my brain won't shut off. It's the reason that I'm perpetually creating all day long because that's who I am. My body is a is a separate entity of that. It's not my soul and I think it's really important, especially for people who are newly diagnosed or dealing with, you know, increased symptoms, um, you know, increased, I don't call them limitations, I call them adaptations, because to phrase something in a way that uh, already pits you against it seems to be not really self-serving. So, but people who are going through a very tumultuous and emotional point, it may be helpful to think of your body as a separate entity right? so that you yourself can remain intact. That is a fantastic point that you are sharing. And it, it comes, it can only come from living with this same body that lets you down every single day and having this um, ability to have such a nimble mindset. Right. And I think, you know, people who are newly ill or newly diagnosed, I think the other thing that's important to remember is like mountains and molehills. What somebody's mountain is might be your molehill and vice versa. So somebody could say, how do you handle all of this stuff going on in your life? Well, to me, it's molehills, you know, whereas, you know, if somebody did ask me to 
do something like absolutely like go skydiving. Like, even though, yeah, my body probably would let me go skydiving. That's a mountain to me. That's not happening. Like there's no way that I can wrap my mind around going and doing that. Right. Yeah. But then, but then you look at other people and that's a molehill to them, you know, like, oh yeah, we'll go skydiving. I, you know, whatever. So everybody's experience is different and everybody's going to react to different experiences differently. Yeah. And and there's no better or worse. No, there's only, and that's an excellent point too. The weight of our experiences is different to each person and our reality is not the reality of somebody else. So we had this conversation going on in the transverse myelitis support group and people were talking about, um, you know, TM is caused by flu shots. And, and because, you know, that was the experience that seemed to be what the general consensus would be that then we make this broad statement that we try to turn into a fact that is caused by a flu shot. Well, my TM was likely caused by the fact that I got the flu and it wiped out my immune system. So just because it's somebody's personal experience or your personal experience doesn't mean it is the next person's personal experience. So I think we really have to empathize with each other in our own journeys. Everything looks different. Um, So for you, you have a lot you have a lot going on. Um, I've seen your pictures. You're a gorgeous, gorgeous girl. Um, yeah. Do you ever wish you were uglier so people would believe you? <laughs> um, that's so funny. My mom, my mom, like, you know, when we're in the ER and, and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, severely ill. My mom will say, don't look at her. Don't look at her. Look at her chart. Because, oh. um, but no, like in the last year, I look in the mirror now and I see myself so differently because in the last year, illness has really taken a toll in my own eyes as to how I look. Yeah. Um, and, and whereas now I look in the mirror and I see a sick girl, I didn't used to do that. But, you know, other people don't see it. So that's fine. Um, you know, when I was teaching, it was really hard looking the way that I looked um, because I taught high school. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, so that was difficult, but, um, now I'm just thankful because if I reflected outwardly what I've been through, mm. I would be a very, very scary looking woman, <laughs> <laughs> like nightmare, like nightmare status. We'd be like world war Z <laughs> yeah. comes yeah. to Minnesota. Yeah, no, oh. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. So you started this business. Yep. Sick prints. Mm-hmm. And um, you are printing a multitude of things. So what do you print? And um, before you launch into that, what do you want to tell people who have just discovered that they are too sick to work for someone else and now they have to figure out a way to generate income as a chronically ill or disabled person? I think... It, it, for me, the world doesn't owe you anything, you know? And I think people who kind of live life thinking that they're expected to get handouts or that they're expected to have like a pity party because, you know, this is now their reality. Mm-hmm. You need to get rid of that mindset. You need to take life into your own hands, figure out what your reality is, what it is that you are able to do 
and use that. Now, sick prints for me, I can work out of my recliner and I can work out of my wheelchair. It allows me to feel like I am giving back to society, not only by making things that people really appreciate and making them at a lower cost than most other places, but also then I get to donate a dollar from every item that I sell towards research to my disease. So I feel yeah. like I feel empowered. And that's, that, that's something that I think a lot of people in our position, we lose that feeling completely we do. when we get sick. We do lose that feeling. So much of our identity is wrapped up into what we do. What do you do? I'm right. a teacher. I'm that's a marketer. Right. Yeah, that's the first question. You know, I, I don't get out of my house. I'm homebound now. So I don't get out of my house very much. But mm-hmm. when I first got sick, those are the first two questions people ask, what do you do? And do you have kids? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I had to mourn the loss of the ability to have kids. And it, that took a long time. Sure. And then I had to mourn the loss of having an identity that people can relate to. You know, a lot of people, when they hear that, oh, I'm disabled, they'll say, oh, I'm sorry. But then they still don't know what you do all day because it's almost like then they think that you're on a permanent vacation. Yeah. And that's yeah. not it at all. You or know? they think you've got a pass. Oh, well, I'm not going to ask her about that because she just said she's disabled. So I'm going to assume she's doing nothing and she right. doesn't have to work anymore. Right. So it's the so that does bring us to the question of what do you think about the stigmas concerning the disabled and ill community? For me, I think the hardest part is that I don't necessarily look sick. And so people assume if I'm not in my wheelchair, people assume that it's a mental illness. Oh. So I've gotten yeah. So I've gotten a lot of weird questions like that. And um, if I'm in my wheelchair, people are always like, oh, what happened to your legs? Well, (laughs) (laughs) do you have 20 minutes? I'm like, I would love to. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'd love to educate you right now, but uh, Kohl's probably isn't the place. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) The stigma, the, the stigma is, I think, I guess for me, it's when you get these diagnoses and your life changes in one word, right? Mm -hmm. You lose complete Mm self-worth. And more than that, people now kind of look at you with pity. And, you know, a pity party isn't fun for anyone. No. And uh, that's a very good point. It's, it's really, that's why we have to keep speaking out because we are the ones who are the advocates for the community to say, you know what, I would rather have a clumsy question that's well-intentioned than have somebody just kind of shrink into their own discomfort, unable to talk because they don't feel okay in that moment it becomes about them Right. So um, we have a lot of work to do, most definitely. Um, so this podcast absolutely flew by. I have one last question for you, and then we'll talk about how to get in touch with you. Okay. Um, so what is the one thing that people don't know about you? The one thing that a lot of people don't know about me, um, I guess I would have to say that uh, when I was in college, in undergrad, 
I um, was actually in Playboy. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Wow. What was that experience like? Oh, it was fun. It was fun because, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really do any regular college job because I was sick. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, so that was my job. And, uh, you know, it got me through undergrad. Did you ever meet Hef? Um, no. Oh, <laughs> okay, because he just passed this year. He so I was did, like, yeah. Yeah, was that emotional for you? Um, no, actually, you know, it was kind of weird because who I am now and who I was when I was, you know, 19 years old is completely different. And so my thoughts, my thoughts on, you know, feminism and like the role of a woman are different than they were then. And so I did some reflecting. That's, you know, that's about it. I think that's hella liberated and hats off to you. So, and, and clever too, because that's what you could do. That's all I could do. Yeah. You were innovative in that way. So how can people get in touch with you? So you can find me on Facebook, um, sick prince with a Z, or you can also go to my personal page, which is chronically L. Um, or you can go to sick prince with a Z dot com or chronically L.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Um, we are overdue having you on. I mean, the minute I met you, and it's just crazy. Well, first of all, you live in the same state. So yes. because I'm housebound too, um, to a degree, I'll say to a degree, um, I can get out here and there, but it's certainly not like I'm gallivanting all over <laughs> town. And now I hate driving since I don't do the majority of it. Now I'm like, how do people do this? I'm yeah. like... Every day it's crazy, but um, so I'm so glad you were on today. We'll definitely have you back. There's so much more to talk about, and you are the chronic crusader, and you are beyond inspiration. So thank you for sharing everything that you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Boundless inspiration from L. Kirks. Uh, she had a wonderful way of compartmentalizing illness from physical and emotional body. And I think it's really important to use these particular mindset hacks to help us keep going in spite of the obstacles that we face. Remember, failure is your option. You don't have limitations. You have adaptations that you need to make. These mindsets might seem simple, but Elle and I both know They make a huge difference in how you're living your life. Did you like what you just heard? Please subscribe to Sick Biz Buzz wherever podcasts are available. And if you would like to speak to somebody about support for your personal mission, you can send us an email to sickbizco at gmail.com and get in touch at sickbiz.com. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Be well. (laughs) 